This is Abiding Life Studios, part two with Alex Matthew. And right now in the studio, I still have Betty Wells and Chad Salen with me, and I am Noah Wells. And Alex is going to share with us five points that he's learned in his journey with Christ. Yes, and and before you begin, Alex, we forgot to introduce you last time as <laughs> our brother in Christ in India, who is Love on Legs. That's our nickname for you, Love on Legs. <laughs> Alex, I mean, this you you what's how do we say your Indian name? Can you let your let the viewers know what your what your birth name actually is? Uh, I am called at home. I am called uh, Tamban, T H A M B A N, Tamban. That's my pet name at home. Okay. And how long have you gone by Alex, Alex Matthew? How long has that been for? Oh, I mean, as as uh, soon as I joined uh, schools, I mean, from there onwards, I was uh, my name in records. All the records are Alexander Matthew. Okay. Okay. But when I once I got into Africa and people there started calling me Alex, 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 and I became Alex Matthew from Africa. Otherwise, okay. I, officially, I am Alexander Matthew. Well, as Betty said, we we like to refer to you as Love on Legs. So that that's the official term we're going to use. <laughs> L O L. Okay. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Well, yeah. Alex, why don't you go uh, ahead and uh, and share with us those uh, those five things that uh, that you want to talk to yeah. about about in your Christian journey that that are important. Ah, yeah, yeah, brothers and sisters, uh, I started growing as a Christian from the time I reached uh, Africa, having, of course, given my life earlier in India in 1968. Uh, from then onwards, everything I thought and I acted and I said, everything is based on abiding. <laughs> and uh, the first thing I would like to share with you is, uh, as a Christian, you need to find yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, by that I mean you have to ask a question to yourself. Who am I? This is a question which has been asked across the century by many people of many different faiths Try to find out who am I. You see, I found myself after Jesus found me. And uh, I got that simple answer to a huge question. Who am I? But this question doesn't uh, stand by itself. It goes along with another question of the same genus, which says, uh, where am I? Mm. Mm. Who am I definitely depends on where am I. And that's where I discovered myself, where am I? I am in him. I abide in him and he abides in me. That's a... Revelation. It came as a revelation. Mike always says that uh, people learn and uh, educate themselves, uh, gather all sorts of information. Uh, okay, all that is good. 
but God reveals himself to you. He comes in revelation to you. Always it's revelation. So he, in his infinite love, showed me who he is and gave me a place to live. Hmm. I have a location. I'm located. I'm, I'm not uh, a vagabond, and I'm go- not going around here and there. I am seated. I have a place, and I am in him. That is the beauty of abiding. Whenever I read the Bible and uh, whatever passage I am, I see a kernel of uh, the concept of abiding. When a person is abiding in him, ah, that is revelation. That's revelation. The revelation that came to me is I can do nothing apart from him. I'm not hiding in a... In a, I'm not hiding in a <laughs> corner. I am visibly there in him. And uh, I don't know whether <laughs> others see the Lord in me. I don't know. But to the best I know, I have never tried to project anything else from within me. I look and speak and, and uh, do everything as I believe, I am in him, and I cannot do anything that he doesn't permit me to do. Once you discover, once it is revealed that you are in him, you can't take a detour and go into the old ways of your life. Uh-huh. Sometimes, you know, I am in the counseling profession, and many people come to me, in a desperate state and say that nobody loves me, nobody cares for me. Everybody is saying things bad about me. I suspect that the whole world is ganging up against me. I have no peace of mind. And uh, gently I lead them to this question. Have you discovered yourself? Do you know who you are? And then, of course, everybody would say, I am Mr. So-and-so, I miss so-and-so. Then I tell them gently, the na- I, my question is not, what is your name? Who are you? The name was given to you. You answer to that name when somebody calls you. But that's not you. The question is, who are you? The person behind the name. Once you find and appropriate that identity, no one can make you less than you. I will remain the same. No one on earth can make me less than myself unless I make myself less than myself. Sometimes people do that. I think frequently people make themselves less than themselves. Hmm. That's the tragedy with uh, our, our mankind. They don't see themselves as who they are, and uh, there is self-deprecation, putting them down in self-judgment, and uh, creating punishment for themselves, thinking that they are 
nothing. They amount to nothing. That's a great tragic situation I face in many counseling situations. They feel they are not up to the mark. I I would like to tell you a, a story in uh, Indian uh, search for identity. Uh, that's a um, very nice story. Once a disciple went to his guru and um, told him, Guru, that is teacher, I want to find myself. I want self-realization. Who am I? And uh, the guru noted his enthusiasm for finding himself. And uh, he very slowly, very slowly said, "Um, So you are so eager to find yourself, eh? Okay. You go and uh, bring the seed of a fig. The fig that we see is the fruit. Inside the fig is those tiny granules sort of thing. That is the seed. So this teacher told his disciple, go and bring a fig seed. Also in all enthusiasm, the man went about and uh, got a very small thing. Maybe quarter size of a pin head, head of a pin. So he put it before the teacher and said, uh, oh, oh, here is the fig seed, sir. And the teacher very quietly said, all right, cut it. So he took a blade and um, cut it into two. And then the teacher said, all right, go on cutting. (laughs) The seed itself is so small. And the teacher was saying, go on cutting. And he said, "Um, sir, it's uh, so small. All right, no problem, you go on cutting. So the fellow went on cutting, 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 and a stage came, it could not be cut any further. And so he told his teacher, teacher, it cannot be cut anymore, it's so tiny, I can't really find it, I can't cut it, how can I cut it, it's, it's so small, I can't cut it. Then the teacher asked him, so you want to find yourself? Yes, 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 I want to find myself. And then he pointed to that tiny particle which could not be cut any further. Pointing to that particle, he told his disciple, Thou art that. That little thing, that is you. And the disciple was really flabbergasted. What is it? I am that. I am so small, so tiny. And the master didn't say anything more. The fellow went away and started thinking about it. And what he found out was, no one can make me less than me. No one can make me lesser anymore. I am what I am. So that was the answer the teacher gave. It uh, implies uh, humility and uh, his identity and not playing uh, the, the, the playing big and that sort of thing. And um, <clears throat> no one can make you less than you is a big revelation also. I am in him. Who can make me less than myself? I'm not lower than anybody, but I am not also higher than anybody. I am equal. As for me, in my Christian concept, I am equal. I, If I go 
to heaven, he will ask me to sit by his side on his lap. If somebody else comes, he will also allow him to sit in the same lap. He treats everyone the same. In his eyes, there is no gradation. All this gradation is man-made. Before him, there is no class, no creed, no color, no nothing. And I am one with all whom he has created. I am his child as everybody else is. I have nothing to pretend that I am bigger than anybody. And I am nothing to be afraid that I am lower than anybody. I am in him. That's my identity. So there is no problem. That identity is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. My identity will never change. I am already in him. I am part of the eternal life. My body may perish, but I will not die. There is nothing to die. It's already about death. In him who conquered death. The body may perish, doesn't matter. So, the first thing I would like to share with my brothers and sisters is find yourself and find your place. Yeah, like John, that. Uh, John 114 says uh, he gave authority for all those who believed him to be ch children of God. I am his child. And he further went on uh, later on in my life to tell me that you are in me. That's my place. So I, so fortunately, so lucky, so wonderfully revealed to me that you have my identity and you are in me. So I have the answer for who I am and uh, where I am. There is freedom in this awareness of who I am and uh, where I am. It relieves me from all concern of what will happen. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> and uh, along with these two revelations, God led me to Psalm 23. And you have no idea how up lifting that psalm is. I say that at least five times in a day, and some days more than that if I need, but I get up, before I get up from my bed, I say this psalm, I am your sheep, I shall not want. I am at the green pastures, and what is more important is he's telling me he will lead me to the quiet waters. Early in the morning as you get up and you know that you are by the quiet waters. The surface of the serene lake. I remember once I went with Mike for a fishing into some lake up in Colorado Springs. I don't know the name, but I only have the picture in my mind. And we went and uh, caught some fish. It was almost um, like a marine green sort of beautiful place. <laughs> Wonderful. I still uh, retain that 
experience of the quiet waters. So early in the morning as I get up, I see the surface of that beautiful lake. Mm. And that is the condition of my heart. If you have read uh, the Good News Bible, in Mark 4, there is a picture of a boat caught up in storm, terrible storm. The boat is being tossed. You know, he was going across the Sea of Galilee with uh, his disciples. And such tremendous storm, and they were being almost going to perish. And uh, Jesus was sleeping at the stern. Now, Selvin Hughes uh, comments on that storm. He says, at that particular moment, there was not just one storm in the Galilean Sea, there were 13 storms. All the 12 guys in the boat, you know, they had storms within themselves. <laughs> and they got so frightened. And then they went and woke Jesus up. He gets up and said, hush, peace. And there was absolute peace. Now what I want to show out to you in that Good News Bible, in that chapter, there is this boat churning water. And on, on the other side, there is this boat where Jesus is standing, and the reflection of the boat can be seen in the water. Such serenity, such placid, beautiful, serene water. After he got up and said, peace. When I say the second uh, verse in Psalm 23, that is the peace that descends into my heart. I see that picture where Jesus says, peace, and the reflection of the boat in the water. There are only a couple of few lines, but that's the reflection. So calm. And I get my heart calm like that in the morning. And Psalm 23 does wonders. <laughs> and he says he restores my soul and leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. The whole day, I walk in his righteousness, not wanting to do anything in my own way, in my, in, in my own pretensions, but in his righteousness. I tell you, brothers, if you by heart that psalm and say it five times a day, it's prescription medication. Take it as medicine. That's what I do. <laughs> And, uh, of course, uh, it uh, goes on to say, even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Thou art with me, and thy road and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare us a table before my enemies, in the, in my, uh, before me in the presence of my enemies. And uh, he anoints my head with oil. He calls me and separates me out. And the next verse is the most beautiful verse. My cup overflows. Alex, can I just interject for just one quick second here, just to reiterate your point that you're sharing about Psalm 23. 
Um, I'm six foot three. I'm a pretty big guy, and I remember I had to get an MRI on my heart, and and those machines are really, really tight and small, and I'm a little claustrophobic, <laughs> if I'm to be brutally honest. <laughs> and uh, and I said to the Lord, I said, how am I going to get through this? Because they had to be in the well. You have to lay still. So talk about being still. And mm. uh, and that's the scripture that the Lord led to my led to my mind and my heart was Psalm 23. And I repeated it over and over and over while I'm in that machine. And that's the thing that, I mean, it just brought, I mean, I had to be still, and it brought stillness to my heart and to my mind. And so so I really love what you're sharing there. It's just a beautiful point. All the time, all the time, my cup overflows. See, the beauty of that is I have no scarcity to share. Love and and uh, mercy and compassion and goodness and gentleness and kindness all this is being f- getting filled and it overflows i can give and spread it wherever i go so that's something you can't live without and uh, that's when you become a blessing presence uh, I forgot to mention in Africa, I got first introduced into counseling by an existential counselor. And uh, later on, he went back to Switzerland and he became a Christian existentialist, like uh, Thomas Hora and um, Scott, Scott Peck and uh, people like that. But In existence, the meaning and purpose of existence is, uh, according to me, is to be a blessing to others. You are here on earth to bless others. I belong to an organization who live by the ethics. The motto of that organization is, service is the rent we pay for room here on earth. So you are supposed to be, you are expected to be a blessing wherever you are. If you are a Christian, you can't be anything else. Mm. You can't be a source of strife, and you can't be a source of trouble for others. You are a source of blessing for your brothers and sisters. So if we live by that principle, you really, really enjoy life. The freedom to be yourself and be a blessing. And, uh, you know, the people of Israel took 40 years to find themselves and settle down in the place promised for them. They were erring and coming back and erring again and coming back. They had such a problem in discovering themselves and who they are. Even after they had very clear signs that you are a special people, my people, (laughs) <laughs> they are not realizing who they are. So that is a problem in uh, our times. We don't know who we are, and therefore we behave like people who should not behave the way we do. That is a great trap. And with education and knowledge, as Mike says, you know, people who do not have the revelation of Christ in their lives, they get to pretensions trying to establish themselves and say that we are this, and, and, and all sorts of pretensions and hypocrisy. 
and uh, they are not less than the Pharisees of the old, uh, all the time pretending that we are something which they are not. So that leads to my third point. After discovering yourself, who you are and where you are, the night before, on the 16th night, I had shared with this, this with um, Betty. I will look for some directions from Mike. You know, sometimes it happens that uh, he comes and we have a tiny little bit of communication. It's beyond explanation. I can't explain it. I don't know what happens, whether it is a lucid dream or whether it is a dream or whether it is a real happening. I don't know. But on 16th night, we had a little conversation, and I told him that... Uh, Betty, that I would ask directions from you. <laughs> and he smiled and he said, don't forget to give the story of your uh, army training. I didn't know what it was, but after he had gone, I thought about it. Yeah, I mean, way back uh, sometime in 1964 or 65, I think, I had gone for an uh, officer's training, a refresher training. I was a uh, lieutenant at that time in uh, the National Cadet Corps or the University Corps. So I was there uh, uh, with 143 officers from all over India, all huge people, I mean, very, very soldier-like and uh, six foot plus and maybe, you know, um, 200 plus uh, pounds. Huge frames and uh, very impressive personalities. And I'm here uh, with my five feet, uh, seven and a half, trying to be an officer. <laughs> and uh, we had uh, this uh, training for a month. And at the passing out parade, the best cadet, best uh, officer cadet was declared as one uh, Captain Saluja from Jabalpur. And... Uh, they declared Lieutenant Alex and uh, Matthew as the second best officer. <laughs> <laughs> I had no qualification at all, physical qualifications, to be a second best cadet. <laughs> you know, yes, it's true that in the shooting I came closer to being first, and the cross-country race... Uh, uh, 26 miles in the forest, they gave us a, com compa a compass and um, an LMG and a 16-kilo backpack. They, he, we were left in the forest about 26 miles away, and we were asked to come back and report to the camp. I don't know. I just walked and walked and walked <laughs> with the help of the compass, of course. I don't know. But the point is I came first in that uh, cross-country um, walking. That was the only achievement, significant achievement that I had in the rock climbing and the crawling and all that. I was just an average guy, the jumping and all that. But when I got this uh, second best officer nomination, I was really wondering, how is it that I got this? There are so many huge guys there, uh, you know. So at the passing out dinner, I asked permission I told the adjutant, I want to see the camp commandant. 
So he took me to the camp commandant, and uh, I just uh, smartly saluted him and stood in attention. He said, uh, yeah, yeah, start it is, young man. Yeah, what is it that you want? I said, sir, you have declared the best officer cadet and the second best cadet. You declared uh, my name as the second best. How come, sir? I, I don't know. I, I haven't done anything um, to deserve this. <laughs> and then he looked at me and laughed. Hey, you want to know? Really? I said, yes, sir, I want to know. Yeah. During these 31 days, you never complained. You Mm. never complained. That's your qualification. Because all these guys are always complaining. The food is not good, the blanket is not good, and the milk is not good, the chapati is not good. Everything he was, Everyone was complaining because all these people were uh, highly paid uh, people. They all lived in comfort. I never complained. In the drill, during the drill, and uh, you know, returning the rifle, sometimes people just came and put the rifle there and walked off. All sorts of indiscipline among the officer cadets. And uh, my qualification was I never complained. Because somehow, somehow, <laughs> it was not really that I didn't have any complaints. <laughs> but uh, I was hearing all sorts of complaints from the people. I, I thought, you know, there's no use in complaining. What is the point in complaining? But later on, after I became a Christian, I discovered the meaning of what he said. A complaining heart is never grateful. If I am grateful to what the Lord does to me, I will never complain. If I start complaining, I would have no peace of mind. And I make it a point to let my counselors know they should stop complaining. People come for counseling always picking on the other person, trying to tell, upon, tell on the other person, he did that, she did that. There's all the time complaining about the other person in their life. They will have no peace till the point they become grateful to God about their partner. Without gratitude, no man can expect to be peaceful. Complaining heart is never at peace. So gratitude is the key word. Be grateful to the Lord every time. Be able to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Saying praise the Lord not as a habit, not as a ritual, but honestly from within you, if you say, Lord, thank you for everything. You know, last year, that is in 2016, I contracted cancer of the bones, multiple myeloma, between second and third stage. Ouch. It was discovered early probably. And uh, for one year I was on chemo. I think I took about uh, something like close to 200 uh, chemo capsules. And they declared I'm clean in June this year. So in one and a half years time, I got clean. 
You know, something significant happened in between this. I want to share this with you all. I think probably I got this cancer because I was very angry with a person. Sometimes in the bed I would not get sleep because of my intense anger with this person. The things that he tells about me, talks to others about me, and uh, he demonstratively does things against me. Whatever I say, he comes out with an objection, and I was burning with anger inside and never showing that to him or to anybody around. Only Grace knew that I was upset with this person. <laughs> but you know, as uh, the disease progressed, I was ashamed about this anger. <laughs> and uh, I was communicating with the Lord. I said, what is happening? And uh, he gave me the thought, can you forgive this person? Have you forgiven this person? Can you? I took him on that, and I forgave him. Not only that, I wrote him a mail saying, please forgive me not forgive, for not forgiving you. And I was keeping some anger towards you. Now I forgive. He took that uh, in the other way and uh, told other people, saying that Alex have... Uh, um, Alex has um, asked me forgiveness and um, he now realizes all the de things he did and all that. I said, everything, no problem. But in my heart, there is no anger, no rancor, no recrimination, nothing against you. I forgive you. And I tell you, from then on, the healing started. Wow. And uh, I got out of my cancer. I believe because I was able to forgive this man. Hmm. I see him practically every day now, and I can smile with him, and I joke with him, and no problem, no problem. And I am so comfortable within me. And I'm so surprised, even after being a Christian for so many years, I lodged that anger within me for this man. I should never have done that. But the way in which he put me down and uh, did things behind me really made me angry. I forgot that no one can make me less than me. For quite some time I forgot that principle. I thought he was making me less than me. But that was not the truth. But God brought it alive to me. Hey, Alex, nobody can make you less than you. Why do you worry? Ask forgiveness from him. So, so I wrote him a mail saying, forgive me. And he wrote uh, something back, uh, which was not very pleasant, but that didn't matter. I forgave him. And I started recovering. Gratitude and absence of complaints is the way to live. For a Christian, there is no other way to live. Be thankful for everything and the peace that passeth understanding <laughs> will rule your hearts in Christ Jesus.
That's what Philippians 4 says. Bring to me everything in thanksgiving, with, with prayer and supplications and thanksgiving. That's the last one he says, with thanksgiving. We have got everything to be thankful, even, even cancer, to be thankful. That's what he, the Lord taught me this last year. After being a, a Christian for so many years, I didn't know to forgive. And uh, the picture very clearly came to me once I, one of these days, these days, and I went to a Catholic church and I saw the crucified form. And I remembered the first words he uttered from the cross. On the cross he said, Father, forgive. And in my own private way, I think, a resurrection, for resurrection, the prerequisite is forgiveness. If you forgive, you are eligible for resurrection. And that's what happened to me this last year. The power of resurrection caught me, and the cancer was gone. And so be thankful. That's what uh, Mike indicated to me. Don't forget to give that story to them. You are the second best because you didn't complain. And I have taken it now to mean no, 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 complained at all. So, uh, Alex, can I just interject just for one quick second? Um, yeah. Just to, just to kind of reiterate a point and, and to show my lack of progress in one area. But Tracy, my wife, um, um, the doctor thought um, they found a, a lump in, in one of her breasts um, over this past summer. And of course, that really flipped uh-huh. that really flipped my life upside down, and and I don't think I ever had stress in my life the way I had stress for those three weeks in that summer, uh, the just this past summer, and I got to the point. God, I I, I recognize pieces of process in those kind of moments, and because um, you're really struggling, because I I would like to grow old with her, <laughs> and um, and don't don't want to lose her, and and the kids are far better off with her <laughs> than me, and. Um, and I, I got to the point where, where I could say to the, to the Lord, Thy will be done, but I just could not get to the point where I could thank Him for it. Uh, that was a tough one. So maybe, maybe there's hope for me. Maybe I can have another forty years <laughs> to get to that point. Because um, just to reiterate that, that's a that's a tough thing to, to be able to to say to the Lord. Yeah, you see, along with this, there was. Uh Another revelation in my life, I would want you to know that also, because uh, I have learned to stop asking why. I have learned. I will not ask the Lord, why are you doing this? Jeremiah asked that question to him, and he, the Lord told Jeremiah, go to the porter's house and see. What's happening? <laughs> What's the point in asking why? Why is a divine prerogative? I decide why. Who am I to question that why? That's one of the beautiful things that happened to me along, along my growth as a Christian. I have stopped asking why. And I tell the people who come for counseling to me also, tell them, 
Never ask why, because you will not get an answer for why. The best answer you will get is, when you go on asking why, 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 at the end you will come to an answer, that's how it is. That's how it is. That the buck stops at him. That's how I want it. And I ask myself, who am I to ask him why? That's a judgmental question, a very bad question. Why? I take a lot of effort to tell the people who come for counseling, never ask why. Because they will never get an answer for why. You see, we are dealing with a God who is uh, omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, omniactive, omniphilic, omnitaxis, omnivolent, omnivobis, all this. He's the source of all blessings. He's the source of all move, movement, omnitaxis, omnipilic, he loves omnivolent. Blessing and grace. He does everything. Nothing ever happens without his acting. And that is our God. Now, how dare I go to him and ask why? In my anger and helplessness sometimes, you know, human beings would be tempted, would be forced to ask that question, why? And he would gently say, leave that to me. Yes, Alex. I am in charge. Yes, he is in charge. And I think he's so good at putting us in those positions to bring out things in our soul and heart that we didn't even know were there, like the anger or the unforgiveness. He really knows how to (laughs) squeeze us. He knows exactly where we need to be, and we never feel like we deserve to be there. We don't feel like any of our loved ones ever deserve the trials they get, but he knows what he's doing. Yes, and always uh, we have to maintain the truth that he is in charge. We are not in charge, never. We are not in charge. He is in charge. And if we try to take charge, (laughs) all troubles will break out. Mm -hmm. He can't take charge. He is in charge. If we have the peace about that answer, he is in charge. Oh, my goodness. You'll be blessed. And... uh, On that point, I come to my fourth point here, for blessing, for receiving personal blessing. He asked his disciples, do only one thing. That's in John chapter 13. He says, he told them, if you know these things, and if you do these things, you will be blessed. The source of blessing, the blessing that would come to me is if I am willing to do what he tells me, what he makes known to me. If you know these things, and if you do, you will be blessed. The way for blessing is that. And, you know, he said that in the context of uh, washing the feet of the disciples in John 13, Uh, after, uh, you know, all that, uh, you know, girding his uh, uh, waist with the apron and uh, washing the feet of the disciples, 
he goes back to his seat and then he asks his disciples, Hey, do you know what I have done to you? <laughs> and probably the twelve of them were looking into the eyes of each other. Hey, 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 what is he asking? What has he done to us? Well, he washed our feet, okay, but uh, what's the point in asking what has he done? <laughs> so they didn't give any answer. Verse 12, he asked them that question, what, do you know what have I done to you? There was no answer. So in verse 15, he gives the answer. I have left an example for you. That is the only place he explicitly says that I have left one example for you. And uh, in verse 17, he says, you will be blessed if you do this, if you know this. If you know what I have done and if you do that, you will be blessed. So, the secret and purpose of life here on earth, as I said earlier with our uh, talkage organization, service is the rent we pay for uh, rent here on earth. That is a mandatory position. We have to pay the rent. Otherwise, we will be evicted. That rent is the service. Otherwise, for what purpose are we meant to be here? Love others as I have loved you. Give them as I give them love as I give you love. Serve them as I have served you. You have come and I have also come to serve and not to be served unto. That is the position a Christian has to take. Is that not an easy proposition? Definitely not an easy proposition, but that is the route to receive blessing. Uh, brother, is that you in verse? You want to be blessed? Is that in verse seventeen of John thirteen, where you were reading yes. from? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so John yeah, yeah, thirteen, yeah, verse yeah. seventeen. Verse seventeen. If you know this, and if you do this, you'll be blessed. There are two ifs, two conditions there. Know this, do this, be blessed. Fantastic. And uh, you see, it was an object demonstration. It was not a, a declaration in the void. Uh, he was very specific, demonstrated it. Do you know what I have done to you? This is the example. Know the content of what I have done. Serve. Never, never be hesitant to bend your knees before them. You know, there is one very great relevant point there. Jesus bent down and washed the feet of these uh, fishermen. How can a teacher bend down before his student and wash their feet? Will not they feel that this fellow, ah, he is not all that big. But Jesus knew whatever anybody thinks, they can't make me less than me. And who am I? I am the son of the father. He knew who he was. We go back to our first point. If I know who I am, I would have no problem in bending my knees and serving. I must know who I am. 
and realize that nobody can make me less than myself. He gives me a status. He gives me and says that you have the authority to be my son. Who can make me less? And so I have no problem in serving. I would have no problem in sweeping or cleaning the drains. No problem. Uh, Alex? Uh, we, have, we used to have an open drain in front of my house. I would take uh, a, a hoe and go and clean that drain. My wife would say, oh, what are you doing, this dirty job? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The place should be clean. I have no problem. And I'm not saying this in, uh, in uh, uh, saying that I am a very holy, special person. No. Any ordinary Christian has this very straight instruction. Serve. Never be hesitant to bend your knees. Alex, I was able to do that in front of that man whom I was angry with. No problem. Forgive me. I asked him, forgive me. For no, I mean, I don't know whether I'm right in saying for no wrong things that I have done. I might have done something to irritate him or bug him. I might have. But anyway, God gave me grace to ask forgiveness. And I never felt less than me. That was the beginning of a miracle in my life. The cancer was gone, and the oncologist was really surprised. She said, hey, 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 it's no more there. And I knew it's no more there, because the Lord was dealing with me. Everything that we learn in life, as Betty said earlier, you know, everything is with a purpose for us to grow in the direction he wants us to go. You know, the surprising things about spiritual growth is spiritual growth begins slowly, 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 slowly. And for me, it's, it was a slow slope and a dip at uh, age 15 going down. And then at 33, it started climbing up. And then it's going Hello. Hello, Alex. <laughs> oh, can you hear me now? Yes, yes. We yeah, just we lost, lost you yeah. there. Yeah, oh, we lost you. We, <laughs> I lost you. <laughs> uh, that was it, you know. Where were we? Where were we? I don't know. <laughs> where yeah, where we, we? we're not sure, but you were, you were giving uh, your fourth point. I think we're moving to the fifth point. And you're, yeah. you're talking so, about... Um, very, li- very little left back now. So... Uh, I think I was referred to the futility of asking why. Yes. And uh, blessing comes through serving. Yes. And, uh, you know, the last point uh, I had uh, jotted down, actually, uh, two points combined together. Where do I get my power? And... uh, how do I use my power? These two things is very important for the Christians to know. My power comes from where? 
I I have just one verse from Ephesians 3, verse 20, from the New International Bible. No other Bible has this verse rendered as such. It uh, says, by his power that is at work within me. Every other, every other Bible says, by the power that is at work within me, I can do far more exceedingly than anything ask or even imagine. But New English Bible says, by his power that is at work within me. That is a point which every Christian must remember. Be, we operate in his strength that is abiding in us. His strength in me, within me, he in me. That's my power. No one can be that. <laughs> the way that the Lord wants me to live is in him, through him, by him, by his power. The beauty there is, I don't have to do any calculations. I personally hate calculations. And uh, you might be surprised, in my 82 years of life, I have never kept any account of any money. I never wrote an account. That was... Probably there is a reason for that. You know, <laughs> the answer lies uh, in the lives of my mother and my father. In the years 1947 up to 50, while I was at home, we had terrible famine conditions post-war, World War Two, People had nothing to eat. People were boiling leaves of uh, tapioca plant and uh, that, there is some content of cyanide in that leaves. They have the boil, they decant the water and eat that leaves. That was the sort of uh, famine we used to have at that time, post-war. And uh, we were relatively well off because we had some paddy lands and uh, coconut groves and uh, both my parents were working and my uncle, they all, all the three were teachers and they had a regular income and uh, all these uh, landed uh, property yield from agriculture and uh, animal husbandry, we were well off. And so, you know, what my mother would do, by the time it gets dark, she would fill containers with rice and sugar and even salt and go to the neighboring houses distributing these things. And I was her companion. I would shine the torch and I will be with her. But my father was just the opposite of that. He would collect from special permits from the local government, he would collect rice and sugar and everything and store it in huge uh, Chinese uh, jars. So we had plenty of food at home and my mother couldn't eat because knowing the poverty around us. So she would go around in the night and I would be with her. 
as this is going on, my father is writing accounts of the day. He will not sleep unless the last cent is accounted for. <laughs> and uh, my mother would sometimes tell him, you were greed for money will be <laughs> your undoing. Don't, don't love your money that much. But my father was a very frugal man. But my mother and my brother were exactly opposite. They were giving, 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 wherever there is a need. I saw and grew up with them. And I hated accounting. I hated accounting. And when I went to college, my father would give me money and ask me to send him accounts every month. Thank you. I never did that. <laughs> I, I never kept an account. And to this day, I haven't written an account. The lesson, bad or good, I don't know. But the lesson I have learned is never be calculative. I do not want to be calculative. A calculative person can never be open to love. Calculation is for profit, for personal benefit. Never calculate. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you keep your accounts, and if you're a businessman and anybody, you know, you keep your accounts. And this is something, this is a little personal irregularity in my life, maybe, you know, some idiosyncrasy. In my life, you keep your accounts and uh, be straight with your money, but never calculate. When you deal with a person, never calculate and ask yourself, what is in it for me? What can I get out of this person? Ask yourself, what can I give? And my mother and my brother showed me, give, give. And... Uh, such a hopeless person in keeping accounts. I don't keep any money with me. Comes and goes. And Grace is a little more prudent in that, and she keeps some accounts. And, and she, I mean, accounts in the sense, coming to starting to live with me, she also doesn't write anything. <laughs> but we are so blessed. Hmm. No keeping of uh, cent and every cent, every cent. No, the Lord gives. That is filling my cup and to overflow. That's uh, the fifth point that I have to give. Power and the power, using that power without calculation. Are you hearing me? Yes, amen. Yes, We're really that's awesome. with you, Alex. <laughs> we love it. We're so grateful yeah. for your five points. And we could sit here all and, day uh, listening the to last you. One, the last point is combining with that power is uh, my righteousness. As he, he fills me with his power, and that power is to be used in a righteous manner. My righteousness. All people, everybody can do whatever they want to do, but I will do what is right. People have the right to do their wrong. God has given man permission to do their wrong. Right from the first day, he built all the garden and um, said uh, to the two people, this is all yours, you can possess it, and, uh, you know, 
tend it and use it, no problem. But only uh, you leave that tree alone. <laughs> but uh, Adam felt, uh, along with Eve, uh, she was trapped, and uh, she thought, if I eat this fruit, it will be nice. I, my eyes will be opened, and I will know what is right and wrong, and I'll be like God. And she felt and took the fruit. You see, I always have asked my counselors, I asked, if God wanted these people not to mess with that tree, he could have fenced off, fenced it off, fenced that tree off. No, don't don't climb that. I'm fencing it off. I'm walling it off. No, no, no. You can't go. But he didn't do that. You do, if you want. So God gave man the right to do his wrong. But whatever others may do, they have the right to do their wrong, and they will reap the consequences of what they do. And both of them reap the consequences. We are also paying for it now. So if we go wrong, and if we don't do wrong, definitely there will be consequences. So to the point possible, do what is right. As for me, I will do right. As for me and my family, I'll be for the Lord. I will never do a wrong. I say that with the full knowledge that we are human beings and we are likely to go wrong, but the the condition is, he has given me, clothed me with his righteousness. So, there it is. There it is. It's his righteousness <laughs> in us, and we can't thank him enough for it. And Alex, thank you. we thank you. thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, that was... Oh, that was a joy. That was a joy talking to you and uh, um, my, my dear friends in the Lord. Yes. And uh, Noah, you know, you have a great heart. You know, nobody can stop loving you. That's your problem. <laughs> <laughs> I know they keep trying, but they can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> so that is, uh, that's you. That's you. Yeah. A very special person. Very, very special person. Well, thanks, Alex. It was, it was great to hear from you again. And... Uh, yeah, hopefully we get to talk again on another podcast at some point. Um, there's so yep. much wisdom packed in it. You gave us enough to chew on for about five years. So um, hopefully it's not <laughs> another five years till I talk to you again, but we sure appreciate <laughs> you, you calling in. <laughs> hey, it's surprisingly, I didn't, I didn't cough during no, this No, it was great. Uh, and we <laughs> hope you sleep well after all this. And we hope we didn't uh, wake up Grace when we called, but it was sure yeah, nice to hear her voice, uh, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I so. was uh, going and trying to get some water. That's uh, Yeah. Well, <sighs> did you know your phone cut off? It just cut right off, and we couldn't hear you anymore. But it, but it's just going to be excellent, Alex. You did a great job. We, th- we appreciate really it so good. much. Yeah, yes, thanks, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Goodbye. So that ends part two with Alex Matthew. I hope all of you enjoy that. I know for myself, I learned a lot and I'll be able to think about it. One of the things I wanted to say real quick, Alex has already hung up, but uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit about this real quick. 
if you guys had any suggestions. I always just thought in my head, you know, that God lives in me. And I never even thought about that I live in God as well. For some reason, that really resonated resonated with me the most with uh, what he had said. Um, I don't know what you guys thought about that or... Yeah, I've actually wrote that same point down. You know, I've heard it again and again growing up in the church. But I think the way Alex presented it and shared it, um, it really kind of hit home along with his other points, hey, that not only do we live in him, but he lives in. Yeah, we kind of don't hammer out that point or talk about that as much, but maybe it should be. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So that's all I'm going to leave you guys with is that was my biggest thought. So have a good day, and we will talk to you again.